or should I come closer? Eh? Is this good? Okay, I feel so far away. But anyway, good morning, everyone. So glad to be here with all of you again. How many enjoy, and or how many of you are here last night? Yeah, how many enjoy? Yeah, so weak. Come on. <laughs> So glad for all the team, and I just want to give a shout out to uh, Dea and Justin and Jess and Nico and Alfie and Maxon and Azrael. Did I miss anyone? So glad to be just uh, seeing you know. They, do you know that all of them are the one? Oh yeah, Azrael, of course. Yeah, thank you, Azrael. <laughs> no, I just want to give a shout out to the church. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No punishment. No punishment. <laughs> so just so good to be just uh, enjoying the the praise and worship last night, basking in the presence of God, and and not only that, I wanted to give the shout out. Maybe after all of you were gone and then you didn't know, did you know that? Uh, some of the leaders, you know, the families stay behind to do the cleanup. Yeah. So I just want to give a shout out. You know, I know that. Uh, I I think I didn't see. Uh, the, uh, I, I'm sure there are so many of you, but I know that uh, at least uh, Muhtar was there cleaning up. You know, tr uh, throwing the the trash out. You know, from the bathroom. Farah was cleaning the dishes. And so, so uh, if I miss names, you know, please forgive me. But. I am just so proud of this family because we're not uh, a, a church family of spectators. We are, you know, we're in the game. Can I hear an amen? amen. Everyone is involved. So that's the kind of family that, that, that we're so, we, we have to be proud of, you know. And so today we're going to um, start a brand new series. Oh, but before that, I just wanted to give a warm welcome to Om Ali here. Can, can we give a, yeah, Om Ali Dharma one. Uh, you're still pastoring in Karawachi, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. So just, uh, and if you're here for the very first time, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. But today we're, um, we're starting a brand new series. But uh, to start us off, let me ask you a question here. Do you guys, you know, own something that is so valuable, so uh, costly in your life? Okay. Think. So important. You know, think of... Uh, that, that you're willing, you know, the, you're willing to give up everything for that one thing. <laughs> All right? Think about one of your most valuable possessions. How much does it cost? Or, you know, wh why is it important to you? When I was in West LA, one of the parents that I know very well, he, he told me this story that after so many years of working hard, he was finally able to buy his dream car, Okay? Right, dream car. It was very expensive. So for the very first week, okay, of, of owning that car, he would actually go to the garage <laughs> and then sleep in the back of the car, leaving his wife behind. <laughs> I mean, that's what I call extreme. So valuable, he said. You know, the value of something is determined by how much you're willing to pay. Right? Is that clear? Right? If you want, if you're willing to pay much, then that means that that's a, that's like very valuable, you know. And so this guy apparently is willing to pay or risk his marriage. <laughs> Thankfully, the wife did not divorce him, you know. But did you know that we're called God's treasured possession? In fact, we're so treasured that He is even willing to give His own Son to purchase us. Amen. I mean, uh, Dea uh, just, just expressed this so beautifully. I mean, he, the power of the cross is, man, I'm, I'm looking at this, uh, this, this artwork that uh, Kahea actually, 
you know, put this together. And, and you, you see this, this, all of these sheep. And a couple of weeks ago, I saw this movie about this English sheep, you know, in Ireland. And then one, uh, for some reason, one of the night, the gate just toppled down, you know, the fence. So all of the sheep would go out. And you know, in Ireland, there's that, that cliff, right? And then so the dog, the sheep dog, actually were trying to, uh, to get the sheep back to the pen, but the sheep were not willing to listen. So they went to the edge of the cliff, and, then, and, 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 and the, uh, the dog started to bark. So the sheep got startled, and one by one, they went to jump off the cliff, right? And then just boom. You know, the, that's, that's why we have that uh, term called the herd mentality, right? So, so the sheep, you know, when you saw the sheep, it's like fluffy, cute. No, 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 no. Sheep are not like that. Sheep are bad, right? <laughs> sheep are stupid and bad. But, so don't romanticize this, this artwork here. And it is, if you think of it, God willing to die for such as us, his sheep, because we're called the sheep of his pasture. I mean, it, it why? <laughs> I'm not even willing to die for myself if I know who I am, you know. But so, here it is. This is actually the study of the, the, the book of Exodus, the next slide. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Say together with me, treasured possession. So in the next several weeks, we're going to reflect on the stories of Exodus. And, and when you listen to the preacher speaking about this book, uh, you know, I pray that you'll gain a clear sense of our identity and mission. Okay, First of all, identity. Everybody says identity. And then secondly is the mission. Say mission together. So what you are called to do, why you exist, right? But in the back of your mind, I want you to keep this question. How does the story in Exodus, how does the story in this book actually relate to the story of the gospel in the New Testament? Amen. What, what does, what God has accomplished in Christ, what does that have anything to do in relation to the story that we would find in the book of Exodus? Is that clear? So keep that question in the back of your mind. So today we will go through chapter 1 and some of the themes, you know, I'm going to go back and forth. It's going to kind of like a Bible study here. I hope you don't mind. But here's the construct of the book. Okay, next slide. The construct, if you would uh, divide this into three so that you can understand it a bit clearly, I guess. The first part will be the liberation or the salvation. God bringing his people out of Egypt. That's chapter 1 through 19. And then the second one, very, very important, is the giving of the law, right? We're familiar with the term Ten Commandments, right? So that is chapter 20 to 24. But then, as we learn, the law will not be enough to make us perfect. In fact, the law would show that we are not perfect, that we need some kind of a provision or some kind of a solution. And so we are introduced to this idea or the concept of the tabernacle where there is an atonement for sin through the sacrificial, uh, the sacrifice of the animal, which is lamb or sheep. And it's actually a, a typology or a model of Jesus. So in this book, God formed the nation of Israel. And, and, and so, um, but here's the summary to give you a background, okay? The next slide is this. If you look at the book of Genesis, after the fall, 
God promised one thing to Adam and Eve that is really, really important. And I want you to just, just know this, okay? Don't, don't uh, go, uh, pay, pay attention very closely here. In Genesis 3.15, God says that I will put, this is after the fall, okay? This is regarding the offspring, Eve's offspring, the offspring of the woman, okay? He says that I will put an enmity between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, you'll strike his heel. Okay? So the, the, talking about the offspring of Satan, okay? and then the offspring of Eve, which is talking about Jesus himself. And then, moving on to Genesis 12, talking uh, to Abraham, okay? the lineage of the story uh, of, of the Genesis, God promised Abraham that I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you. Why? So that you will become a blessing to all people on the face of the earth. You will be blessed to become a blessing. So, but by the end of Genesis, before Exodus, the promise is not yet fulfilled. And 400 years have already passed. Did you know that that's a long time, right? 400 years ago. If we think about 400 years ago, 1600s, what did, what did we learn in, in, the, in the history class? Anybody? Okay. Maybe history in Indonesia is doesn't clop gitu ya. But I mean, in, in the European history is this. Shakespeare died. There's the age of war. And then uh, Spanish on Portuguese uh, influence is waning down. And then France was still the powerful nation on earth. But then English and the Dutch began to rise. Right? So that, w- that was what happened 400 years ago. My point is that it is a long time ago. And so we're tempted... As a reader, after that long, we would be tempted to say, God, are you or are you not going to fulfill your promises? Have you ever thought that way in your life? You know, God speaks something about you, whether it is a career or soulmate or this and that, whatever it is. And then as you go through life, that promise that, that God speaks to you, you don't see it happening. Right? And then you begin to question. Right? So in the opening of pages of Exodus, this is what we find. The f- we find Jacob's family tree. Right? So next slide is this. Uh, these are the names of the son of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family. Reuben, Simeon, so on and so forth. Issachar, and Dan, Naphtali, God, Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. So what God is basically trying to say is this. Hey, you know what? I know 400 years is a long time, but the story is not over. The promise is not lost. In fact, I am still actively involved in this story. Remember my promise in Genesis? I'm still working behind the scene to make you into a great nation. You know, um, when I was reflecting on this part, you know, God is actually the one that brought this, uh, this descendant of Jacob's into Egypt, right? And then to make them into a great nation. But then you know what happened, right? After that, they got enslaved by the Egyptians. They're oppressed. They were in bondage. So, I thought back about this, this Bible study that we have in the family care group about a few weeks ago. And at that time, we were sharing, and then there was this 
really just heart, uh, um, a hardship, you know, a story of hardship that one of our member uh, here, I mean, one of his cousin, you know, uh, experiencing death of the spouse and, and, and just the, the father after that. Sometimes we just don't understand what God actually planned in our lives, don't we? Sometimes it's, it's baffling. But I want to assure you that even when we ask, you know, why? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? I want you from looking at this, at this story in the book of Exodus to really uh, keep this in mind. Hey, the story is not over. The promise that God gives you is not lost. That He is still a good God, working together all the good and the bad things for your good. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, th- so don't lose the hope, you know. God is still working behind the scene. Next um, slide. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful, and then they multiplied greatly increase in numbers and become so numerous that the land was filled with them then there's the twist a new king actually came to power who didn't know who didn't know joseph or what he did and then he became so insecure because the israelites became a large population and then he said the israelites have become far too numerous and too powerful for us notice in verse 7 it says, the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied, increased in numbers, become so numerous that the land was filled with them. Is this a familiar language, those of you Bible students? How about Genesis 1? You know the account of creation when it says, be fruitful and multiply, increase in numbers, right? And then the guy said, yeah, be fruitful and multiply, right? So, fill the earth and subdue it. The creation language continues to echo throughout this opening chapter. And then in verse 10, it says, Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them. There you go, the bondage, right? They oppressed them with forced labor. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and, what does it say? Spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. Genesis, accounts of creation, right, of cosmos, out of formlessness, empty and darkness, and then comes the creation of God. Exodus recounts the creation of the nation of Israel. And how does this relate to us? This is my first point. In the same way the Exodus is Israel's creation story, the gospel, next slide, is our creation story so again genesis the account of the universe creation exodus the account of the nation of israel creation and then the gospel is the creation of our lives our second birth okay when this when the spirit of god touched us we're saved by grace we song we sing about that in all of the songs last night and this morning because Ephesians 2 says it is by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not from yourself it is the gift of god not by works so that no one can boast for we are god's handiwork we are god's masterpiece sheep remember 
how can she be a God's masterpiece? But that's who we're called. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Once we grab that faith, by the way, okay, we, are, we can be sure that we will be changed. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that, Therefore, here's from 6, verse 16. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we are once regarded Christ in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Wow. But here's my question. Here's my question to you. Does God give the Israelites the Ten Commandments first? And then say, now, if you obey the law, the Ten Commandments, then I'll save you from slavery and bring you out of Egypt. Here's the law. If you obey it, then I'll bring you in. Does God really say that? No, right? Absolutely not. And so in Exodus, we see the gospel because God actually brings the people of Israel out first. He saves them first, and then he gives them the law. Look, look at this, again, the, that account, right? I know this is a bit technical. But look, look at the, the first step is the liberation, okay? And then the second is the law. So what I'm trying to say is this. God saved you first by grace. And then change your life to obey Him. Not, well, if you change your life, if you become more obedient, then maybe I'll, I'll save you. No, 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 no. God doesn't say that, right? The other religion may say, you know, you pull together yourself and then maybe I'll save you. <laughs> but Christianity says, I will save you and then... I will renovate your life through my Holy Spirit so you can obey me. Can I hear your name in? Does that make sense? Right? I'll save you first. It doesn't matter what, how you look like right now. Isn't that good? Your failure, whatever your past, even if you commit this sins over and over again, I will continue to, to, to just save you and cleanse you when you obey the Holy Spirit. So if you have put your faith in Christ, here, here's the... Here's what I want you to know. Believe and receive the truth that God is transforming your life. You may not understand. You may see at yourself. You may be disappointed at yourself. Why am I committing the same sin over and over and over again? So in the same way that Exodus is defining moment for Israel, you need to know that the gospel is your defining narrative. You are not defined by your failure. You are not defined by what has happened to you in the past. You are not defined by what others say about you. Amen? It doesn't matter what label that society put on you. You are defined by what God did on the cross for you. That might sound old song to you, but we see this written all over the book of Exodus. So here's the Genesis recount next slide the creation of cosmos, Exodus recount the creation of Israel, and the gospel recount the creation of us, the church as the new creation. Second point, God redeem us so that we may represent Him. We are saved for a mission. And Exodus 19 says, You yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wing and brought you to myself. 
And I want you to notice the language here, okay? Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. So first of all, God bring them out. And then he said, obey me, okay? And then he said, my, you, if you obey me, that you'll be my treasured possession, all right? Over and over again, God says, you'll be my people and I'll be your God. Let me, let me give you an example. You know, if, if you don't know me, but if you heard me say, my Connie, <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, my, my Sayang, whatever, then you probably might assume that, you know what, Connie might be, is, might be his, his wife, right? Because this is a very relational language, right? Or, you know, my wife, that's relational, that's close, intimate language there. An in, a, a language of intimacy and closeness. So that's why the construct, next slide, is this. How I carried you on eagle's wing and brought you out of myself. That's redemption. If you obey and fully and keep my commandment, then out of the nation you will be my treasured possession. That's relationship. And although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's representation. So God saved you, not so that you can just live a happy life, but He saved you so that He can represent who He is and His mission on earth. That's the reason why, you know, we have World Harvest. That's the reason why Pastor Adri is going. When are you going, bro? The end of February. By the way, please pray for him, okay? Pakistan is a dangerous place because I've been there. <laughs> jail time. No, 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 no. Let's not pray for jail time for Pastor Adri here, okay? Oh, uh, uh, amen. Just me. <laughs> but I am so proud of this family because through this family, we were able to, to, to sponsor 27 children. Or is it 27 or 33? 24. Okay, three more to go. Why is that? Because we want to represent who God is, right? So, here's the point. We think about the law of God is so restrictive, so like, oh, we need to obey, yeah, because, because maybe your parents are so hard on you at home, you have to clean your room, you have to do this, do that, you know. But here's the reason why God gives the law. God gives the law so that we can relate to Him. To me, that is like, wow, I, I never thought of that. The reason that God gives the law is because He wants to relate. Like I said, after the law is given, God says that you will be my people and I will be your God. Right? And, and I know my wife so much, talking about my Connie and all that, so much so that if she sends me to her favorite bakery, okay, I know this is rather cheesy, I know exactly what she loves to choose, okay? JJ Bakery. Okay. Is there a JJ Bakery here? No? There is? No more? Oh, man. Come on, OC. <laughs> There's still one. Okay, 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 okay. It's a Taiwanese bakery, and then she loves this thing called the Butterhorn. It's so fluffy and book, you know. That's her favorite. Why is that? Because I know her so much. 
my calling, right? Relational, and then I know her liking, I know her disliking. So the more you know God, the more you know what God loves, and the more you know what God hates. He hates sin, right? He loves the sinner. <laughs> and so that's why he, he redeemed us to have that relationship so that he would, we would know Him, right? And then we would be able to represent Him. That's why the purpose of the law is, to, is given so that we have a relationship. Amen? And then we, the purpose of relation is so that we may represent who He is and make Him known. That is extremely important. Think about the relationship that you have with your boyfriend or girlfriend. If there is no rule, you know, you cannot just, after you become an quote-unquote item, <laughs> right? You cannot just go out with whoever that you want, right? There is a certain quote-unquote law that you have between your boyfriend and girlfriend or between your wife and husband. You cannot just it's it, it is what it, you know it's just an exclusive relationship that you have that's why god says you will be my people and i will be your god right the, the law is there so that we know the kind of god that we have don't worship any idol don't kill don't steal don't commit adultery why because the god that you have is a relationship with if you're going to have a relationship with this god is a God of exclusive commitment. Can I your name in? He's a God of love. And I'm not just talking about killing physically, but, you know, when you gossip, you're, you're killing the character of someone. Okay? Don't lie. That's the God of honesty. When you borrow, then return the money. <laughs> you know? and, and do not commit adultery because our God is a, a God of faithfulness. That's why I say that, that the reason that God gives the law is so that we can have a relationship with Him, not to restrict us. Here's the last point. Where there is tension, there is more to the story. What do I mean by that? If you look at the, the continuing verses here in verse 11, here's what it says. So they put slave masters over them to oppress the to press them with forced labor, and then they built Python and Ramesses. Those are the store cities, you know, where they gather all the food so that to prepare for the famine for Pharaoh. But the more that they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. Verse 14, they made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Here's, here's my question. The tension is here. On one hand, the Israelites are fulfilling the creation mandate, right? They're fruitful. They're increasing in number, right? But now, instead of ruling the earth, because that's what God commands them, they are being ruled by the Egyptians. They're by being subjected to the, becoming a slave. God's promise to Abraham has been fulfilled in one sense. His descendants are numerous, yeah, but the promise that his descendants will be a great nation is at risk of being thwarted due to their enslavement. Even until today, that's why we have this war in Gaza, right? Even 
you know, mind-boggling how the, the university, universities across America now is, is spewing, you know, this anti-Israelites sentiment, which is just like, wow. See, these tensions that we have, numerous, but being enslaved, yeah, numerous, but not a great nation yet at that time. It gives the, it sets the stage for the entire book and anticipate God's miracles intervention because that is what God is going to do. In the next few weeks, we're going to learn how Moses, you know, the type of Jesus, narrowly escaped death as a baby. But he got adopted by the arch enemy of the Israelites, the Pharaoh himself. He was put in the house of Pharaoh, being educated, growing up there. And then he learned about his identity. He murders an Egyptian and has to flee to Egypt or has to flee Egypt for 40 years in the back of the desert, back country of the desert. And then he doubts his ability when God calls him in to confront Pharaoh, to lead and then Israelites continually complain all of this different tension, you know. What is the application there? In the same way, you might feel a tension in your relationship with God. You know that you're a, crea a new creation, you're a Christian. You know that you're supposed to walk in good works and be Christ's ambassador. But maybe there's this tension because you're, you still have character flaws. You're not fulfilling the mandate that God has given you. For whatever reason that you, that you know, you, you, you feel stuck. You're discouraged. You're on a spiritual detour, if you will. Thankfully, what we learn from Exodus is, is this, that when there is tension, God is setting us, up, setting us up for more to the story. God is going to, God is getting ready to give you a breakthrough. What, what are you struggling now? What are you wrestling now? If you feel that tension in your relationship with God, know that God is not done with you. Can I hear an amen? God is not done with you. He's working behind the scene to orchestrate your breakthrough. He has hurt your frustrations. He's moving to deliver you. Maybe you are struggling here in the area of relationship or maybe in your career or maybe in your schooling. Can I say to you, God is not done with you. Don't give up. Your story is not over yet. The promise is not lost. Take this message today as an opportunity to renew your trust in God. You may not see it yet, but God will give you the grace to live as a new creation and be His representative to others. And especially when we, you know, every month we celebrate the table of communion, right? What I usually do is that I say what? Take and eat. For this is, this bread is a representation of His body. Let me take you to Genesis, the last time that someone actually says, take and eat. Because the last time that I heard that in the book of Genesis, it was Satan. You know what Satan said? 
he said to Eve, Did God really say that you should not eat this fruit from this forbidden tree? You know what? Satan says, Just take and eat. It's okay. Does, does God really say that? That's when human fell into sin and we felt the effect now. And it's so beautiful when, when Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, to reach first what Eve did, what Adam did, He said to us, Take and eat, for this is my body. This is a symbol of me creating you anew. The gospel is our creation story. There is a new law, new covenant here. And, and, and the law that I'm giving you to obey, it's, that's, remember that, that word said, take my yoke for it is easy. Right? This, this law, this, this, this Bible, is given to you so not to restrict you, but so that we can have a close and intimate relationship. So as we celebrate what God has done on the cross, can, can we just reflect on this for a second? And I'd like to invite the, the ministers of the table to come up. Father, we just wanted to reflect on what we just heard today. As we embark upon this story of, of the Exodus, Lord, when, when you created your people, the Israelites, we learn, Lord, what? How you created the nation through your deliverance, through taking them out of the land of bondage and slavery, the land of Egypt. And in the same way, you. You save us through the gospel. And that's our creation story. We're created anew as a new creation. That we learn how you redeem us, you save us, and you give us the law so that we can have a relationship with you and we can represent who you are and make you known. But then again, we look at our lives. There is this tension. We may be feeling discouraged because of our failure, because of falling into the same habit or sin over and over again. Lord, we, we may feel this tension. Yeah, we're a new creation, but why are we still falling? We learn that you are setting something up for a breakthrough and as we ponder upon your word on that last night God to take and eat Lord we receive your sacrifice by faith that we are a new creation indeed and that we are saved by grace to do good works that's why we work tirelessly as a church to, to make yourself known, Lord, to, to, to go through uh, the ends of the earth even, to, to preach the gospel in faraway, unreached places. 
where there's no access to the gospel because we know you so much that you you are crying even today when when you see 70,000 people 80,000 people dying every day without ever the chance of hearing what you did on the cross Lord far be it from us to be complacent in our walk with you we don't want to just come to church Lord and then sitting and, and hearing these messages over and over again we want to know what you want us to do after you redeem us after you cleanse us and, and after you create this new family called the church Lord wake us up as a church so that we will not be self-sufficient but we will truly take this mandate Lord mandate to to be numerous and, and, and to subdue the earth with the love of Christ God thank you Lord so bless this element of the communion as we celebrate this may the power of the cross truly Lord compel us to love you more compel us to believe that yes the cross is enough for us what a wonderful sacrifice that you did Lord on the cross thank you Jesus